it's really the smell and the feeling that you get from a city similarly every organization has that so i'm like i opened a gym asking them come because you have a health problem come and work out with me they just went to the doctor because they got too scared welcome to the culture edge podcast are you an entrepreneur or a change maker who's frustrated with the pace of change inside your organization well, this show will i hope offer you valuable practical advice as you navigate your career and our guests will also help you answer the question am i better matched to the corporate world or to the startup world my name is stephen parkins and i'm determined to help people like you and your business build a strong healthy culture of innovation today we're joined by a two times winner of the toastmasters challenge he's also the author of the book method in madness our guest is Sabi Sengupta. Alongside his work in innovation at ABN Amrobank, Sabi is building a venture to help professionals and organizations manage the human side of change and transformation. Hi, Sabi. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Steve. Hi. Well, first of all, I remember the first time we met, uh, I learned all about this new book that uh, you released. And if I remember correctly, it had just come out. And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, it's called What's Your Plan B? That's right. It's called What's Your Plan B? Yeah. Yeah. So is that because you're in plan A at the moment or you're already on plan B? I am in plan Z, but uh, that's <laughs> just me uh, making tons of plans. Uh, no, I, 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 uh, that's correct. That's exactly when we met. I was uh, pumping with energy with writing a new book, first book, actually. Uh, it was <laughs> more hectic and it took way more effort. Of course, this is pre-ChatGPT era, so I can take full credit to say there was everything was written by me from start to end. Uh, but it was a lot of work, but it was also um, very satisfying because the intention of the book was to be able to help others. And when, uh, you know, every now and then there is someone who reads and writes you a message, writes me a message on LinkedIn or through my website that, you know, I'm, I'm in job transition or I'm, I'm not happy with what I'm doing and I read your book. It really gave me that insight. It helped me, uh, you know, read, think of my goals and everything. Uh, it does feel, uh, you know, that that's exactly why I wrote the book. And that's exactly the impact I wanted to create. Of course, I wanted to create more people, but, you know, it's a gradual start. That's great. Who is your book mostly aimed at then? And what um, what pain are you hoping to take away for these people? You know, uh, the pain, I think, is, is I have always uh, flirted with that idea of, 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 of people, not flirted, but like felt, uh, suffered and also instigated this pain of feeling stuck. And this is a very, um, you know, it's like somebody has thrown you in a in a pool of um, you know gum it's so sticky and you can't get out and you have you have strength you have belief but it's some something or the other that pulls you and holds you the, the, the inspiration of the book was actually at work when i spoke to a colleague and she said she and her husband worked there for 25 years and her husband got fired and uh, now he's not old enough to go on pension not young enough to start something new and you know um and 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 I, I by by my guess I guess they are in that age bracket of between fifty to sixty, which is I think the most difficult age bracket to be in because uh, you know when you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, you still have the energy. Fifties is difficult, and I've seen my own father make a career transition from Unilever to uh, insurance in fifties, and how much difficult it is to learn, unlearn, and relearn things, start from scratch, 
it's it's very difficult. Uh, I had that audience in mind. That was my primarily primary audience. But it I did try to make it generic because as I was writing the book, COVID hit, and uh, we saw the the expected Im- impact of COVID was that people are going to lose job. We saw with Booking.com and Airbnb people getting fired left, right, center. So I tried to make it a little bit on that front as well because that was quite the topic uh, that was burning topic at that point of time. And and do you think this problem of getting stuck, is that uniquely a corporate employment problem or, or do you see that in other areas as well? I think I think in every area, I think it's it's something that there with the startups, it's there with corporates. I think in corporates more visible because I think you'd notice it, I think. And I think just because someone is busy and you're constantly running pillar from pillar to post with your work, with your agenda, with your with your meetings, doesn't mean you're not stuck. You can be stuck even when you're busy. Uh, it's 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 still a, uh, a state of mind that uh, you, you need to overcome with. And it you can be stuck in various different things. You know that that's the that's the point. But uh, the most common perception people have is like because you're you're very busy, you cannot be stuck. Because you're a startup, you cannot be stuck. Uh, because you're a scale up, you cannot be stuck. You can be stuck with anything and everything. It really depends on how you're handling it. And so, if we think about some of the leading indicators or what would be seen as risk factors for people who are in employment, whether it's in a corporation or in a startup. Uh, what should people be on the lookout for to avoid getting stuck in the first place, do you think? I think on a personal level, uh, what I wrote on my book is there are three things that uh, give you stimulation in, in your job. I think that's the thing you should check. First is uh, the work and the output you produce, if that's what you feel it's it's draining, you're not getting energy from it. And doesn't mean sometimes, you, you know, something you do, you're so good at, everybody praises you that, wow, you're amazing, but that does not give you energy and that does that drains you that is creatively damaging you then you are also getting in that zone of stuck so it doesn't mean if you're good at it 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 doesn't have that backfire the second thing was the people that you work with sometimes it's the energy of the group that stimulates ideas vision uh, also perspective and the last is the leadership not just the people you report to but the organization as a whole uh, the company you're working for if they are giving you the right tools, ammunition, uh, the scope by which you can work on uh, getting stuck and not stuck. I think that definitely uh, on a personal level, what is there? If you are uh, in, in my current research, what I'm doing is how organizations sometimes and teams get stuck and the three areas that through several interviews identified and I'm working towards uh, unstucking them if possible, uh, is first is teams that do not generate new ideas. You know, they are just doing the same cookie cutter work for years and uh, they just don't know they've done the reorganization, restructuring, but you know, the old pattern still repeats uh, and they are not able to generate ideas, new ideas, new fresh perspective, new way of doing things. Nothing comes there. The second thing is they have, they get ideas, but they just don't know how to convert an idea into an action. There's a lot of talking, a lot of planning, but in the end, nothing gets, nothing sees the light of the day. And it's still in, in that stuck zone. And the last is everything is going smooth. Things are going fine till a problem happens. The moment there is an unforeseen situation, a black swan event, or not even that extreme, something like unforeseen happens, 
um, then just they just crumble. They just don't know how to pull themselves as a team, as a group out of that uh, stuck feeling. So these three areas I'm working on. The challenge is to often help people, uh, uh, make people realize that they are stuck because it is, it is not as it is not a, a easy thing. Problems like this, 50% of the war is won when you can make a group or a team or a, a company realize that they have a problem. Sometimes they're just too self-delusional. Yeah, it's a bit like training um, to stay fit. If you're fit, some people say, why do I need to train? And it's, it's one to stay fit, but it's also in preparation for things going wrong. And it's you know, the best teams probably challenge themselves on that. And I imagine people who you think are very good are actually happier to be challenged compared to those who are maybe less good. And I, uh, that's my experience based in corporates and in, in startups. And and you know that's now that you mentioned the health thing, I I always I made a joke about it that uh, um, in the quest of making people aware that they are have a problem being stuck, I I I realize every now and then I go uh, I may have gone a little far or may not. One time this this happened to me. I told I did a contact with the leadership. I mentioned them. Listen, this is the problem. I made a whole analysis and I sent the document and everything. Nate and I know they went to a big four consultancy to uh, help them in that process. So I'm like, I opened a gym asking them come because you have a health problem. Come and work out with me. They just went to the doctor because they got too scared. So I'm still finding that balance that people don't get so scared they run to the doctor, but they come to the gym. Every now and then the doctor will send them back to the gym because that's where the real magic happens. I, I really like the uh, the analogy. And if we if we zoom out a little bit, what would you say is the root cause and what what is what is going wrong fundamentally that motivates you and that, that makes you feel that there's a real problem to be solved here? You know, I think uh, I, I really think sometimes people are just to like, especially when things are going great, people are really riding a high horse and when things are going really bad they're just being crybabies and I mean you know in my first two years of my corporate career I've seen both the extremes so the first extreme was uh, in India in 2007 I was working for Lehman Brothers now this was the time when people were riding the high horse and uh, you know we were we were we were thinking we created because we were uh, we had an offer if you can automate a process you can make your own process job redundant and re automate it uh, not only you'll get hired to another team you'll get an ipod now in 2007 ipod was a big thing so we were like like wow it's it's uh and people would talk about these wolf of wall street ambition and everything when we point when you point out there are more deeper causes that are causing friction mistrust and people are you know not feeling satisfied people are you know they're not doing what they you know they're not reaching their potential they're just um i read this nice article that says uh, the three roles we play in our organization um the prisoner tourist and player the play uh, the prisoner is the one who cries the player is actually who does things and the tourist is does enough but also keeps one foot out but when uh, with with such over optimism such opulence and bonuses and everything you make people player they're always keeping a foot out if another company offers something more they want to go they want they you know that was there and then voila it came crashing and in my second year um um after lehman i went to credit swiss i worked there in uh, for a few months in singapore to migrate a process to india 
And there I saw the other extreme where people were so resistant to teach us or give the work because they were insecure, they're going to lose their work, uh, lose their job. So this was also the confidence that they didn't have in the management that when they are stuck, they will be given enough resources to move forward. So they were just clinging on to everything that's possible. So um, the root cause of this, the feeling of stuck, in my opinion, is the dynamic that an organization sets and the culture that organization sets with their reward system or with their decision. Sometimes they make them too optimistic that they just think there's never going to be a problem. I think post 2008, that has not really happened. Or they make them so negative and so uh, fearful that they think of any change, any movement as adversity and uh, want to resist it, want to push back it, want to fight it, as a result, making it worse and a vicious circle. You're listening to the Culture Edge podcast. If you care about innovation and you want practical lessons for your career, you're in a great place with our entrepreneurially minded guests. Subscribe and be the first to know each time we release a new episode. It reminds me of the greed and fear that you get in the markets. On the one hand, the very hubristic side of things. But then after the, the, the global financial crisis, we then went into extreme fear mode, it seems. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's really interesting. So how, how do you propose that we solve this then, Sabi? What, what, what do you reckon uh, individuals and organizations need to change? What, what needs to happen? I think definitely the culture, you know, one of the things I have worked with in one of the teams is I, I love um, these uh, nice speeches and contents that there are on internet. I always use that as a framework. So one of the lectures I was from a Harvard professor about the smell of a city that he talks about that how in France and Fontainebleau you want to go running and in Kolkata in summer, 40 degree, you want to sleep. It's, it's really the smell and the feeling that you get from a city. Similarly, every organization has that. When I worked with one of the companies I did in Belgium, what I did with them is every process, every announcement, every new measure that they did over the last year, I asked them to give the feeling that comes with it. And not to them, but to the group. How do you think people perceive it? And after a lot of introspection, they were able to say realize that sometimes things that they say sometimes things they communicate things they uh, ask people to do the feeling they want to give and the feeling people get are completely different and uh, it is it is it is really their responsibility to give the right feeling and it's it's sometimes just playfulness with wordings or uh, some changes here and there little tweaks here and there but they make a huge contrasting difference i think that is definitely the step one to um, know that how your team feels about what how uh, uh, the decisions you're making only then can you create a culture of transformation and when you have that people will be able to um, get out of that stuck zone you, you talk about the culture i mean i think you know, i've seen steve steve's written on this quite a lot as well i think it's always well, of course. allowing this culture blogs i love it it's mm-hmm. every time uh, you know afternoon we get those blogs it's like wow and sometimes it's like yeah i was just facing this problem that's the moment aha moment but i think it's also having you know, the ability to to fail I and mean, you don't have to be in a startup or in a, a big corporate you just have to have a supportive environment i i get it you can't just set fire to money and let it go but i think how do you how do you promote that in a sustainable manner so what i mean is you you let people learn from their mistakes but also make sure they don't repeat them i think that's always the hardest part yeah 
and and you know here's the thing if it's done with true intent it's not that difficult so uh, i i once worked and i mentioned this in my TED, tedx talk also last year worked with uh, a, a company that was where people were feeling frustrated there was that feeling that oh my god we we don't know what we're doing we're just stuck in everything but when we did a bit of root cause analysis and brainstorming, turns out it is so celebratory, you know. It's like something happened, yay, let's call the ball a champagne. Success, got a sales deal, got this, got that. It is so over-optimistic. And, and these days, I think there's this there is this new thing, celebrating success, and that is taken to another extreme. And I'm all for celebrating success, by the way. But it should not be taken so extreme that there is no room for failure. There is no room to talk about when you're feeling stuck. And when you do feel stuck, it's like, yeah, put it under the carpet because we want to celebrate. We want to share successes. Um, so uh, we, what, what I proposed was like, uh, you know, we went through the days of the week when they have, uh, they have a, a Monday call where they share success. Thursday, they do this. Friday, they work from home. The only day available in the week was Tuesday. So I said, let's do a Tuesday, stuck up Tuesday. Every Tuesday at 10 o'clock, 15 minutes, two or three members tells where they got stuck last week and what was that they got stuck and um, I checked a month later with the team how did it go and they were like it was funny that people were like uh, you know the amount of time people get stuck and and you create an environment where people are comfortable talking about yeah I was stuck with this I didn't know how to solve this I was stuck with this problem uh, our group was stuck with this is is insightful and you know that okay more people are facing I'm not uh, the only one so I think that's a really good practice that you just described there, uh, Sabi. Could you recommend to someone who's listening and would like to implement exactly what you just described, what would be the steps that they'd need to take to to bring that into their organization, into their team? I think the first step is definitely understanding the problem, why why people are feeling stuck. I think it, like I said, it's 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 you have to do an open discussion. Of course, it should not be a room with people constantly whining. Now, the problem to that step is, as solution givers, as problem solvers, we want to jump to problem. A friend of mine, Alex, uh, once introduced me to this concept of a drama triangle, where there are three parties. Um, it, it's a triangle where it's just exchange of emotions and no plan. So if you, when somebody is complaining, they just want a safe space to complain. They're not asking for solution. So when you want to solve a problem, the first step is just listen, let that emotion, those those things go out then comes the real problem that is up for solving. So let people have a safe environment to rant, talk about what's going on. Once that step is done, it's important to divide the group, uh, those those problems into groups. Like why are people feeling stuck? Is it they're feeling stuck because they don't get any ideas or because there's, the, there's a problem that they don't know how to solve? Or is it they're stuck because the management is not taking decisions quickly and efficiently. That's why they're waiting for days and weeks for the approval to come. Once the gap is identified, uh, I think it makes easier to know what resources you know you need to solve this. If you if you're for example stuck with management not making decisions, you definitely need a salesman, a very yellow personality who can razzle dazzle their way through the management approval. You know who can sweet talk and charm and you know get through through that this is just an example and then the fourth step would be to actually implement those uh, changes and work towards it and have a constant feedback and uh, monitor it 
what I what I have seen happens is the planning happens, but the first three steps of actually understanding the root cause, grouping the root cause in in various stuck brackets, stuck with this, stuck with that, stuck with this, doesn't happen. We have a problem. Let's jump to the solution. Let's throw some money. Let's solve it immediately. As I discussed, the cobra effect, uh, jumping too soon to solutions because you think throwing money is the only way to solve it, and that doesn't work. Is this something that you like to help organizations and professionals with? Definitely, definitely. I, I, you know, the funny thing is, Steve, I have been stuck many times. I have felt felt stuck quite a few times. And um, and I'm very open to sharing this because um, I've been to a career coach to complaining that I don't know what I want to do next. A few years back, I was like feeling... I, I think everybody tells me, oh, you're skilled, but we don't know how to use your skill, basically. One uh, manager of mine told me that you have so many different creative things, we can't put you in a box, and that's why you don't fit in any boxes. And there are many people like that. So my coach told me, see yourself as a case study and see how a personality like you could have, can be used for to better use. And I every day journaled my own experience, where I felt stuck and how I would have liked to get unstuck that has actually helped me to make these steps so everybody feels that way a lot of people and if you do that's where i want to be of help uh, making teams more innovative more ready for transformation and get out of the uh, stuck feeling so i think i think it's really interesting that you you talk about all of this in the context of working for a large bank i think people have the idea that banks are very bureaucratic and obviously that is often the case how do you find getting getting action done, either within the bank or maybe talk about it in other clients, comparing the the industries? It's very, very interesting. And I think people can be a bit defeatist on this. And I think the fact that you're doing this externally, almost preparing yourself for if you do get stuck, you're going to have that momentum behind you to push through you know, the road becoming gummy ahead. And you know, I've got a couple of other jobs that I do. I'm not, not anticipating getting stuck. I just like to keep busy. I find it very interesting when people are working in, in big corporates because now that's the one sort of gap in inverted commas I have. I don't work in a big corporate. I've got several startups that I work with an educational company. So, so how do you balance that? Because you're going from tiny, tiny startup to mega corporate. You know, yes, I think uh, large corporates, banks uh, have those, uh, you know, underbellies of being bureaucratic. However, there, there is, and I think in many companies, an intent to help people to, to make a difference. Uh, I can say very proudly and uh, that I, I am right now in a program called Career Switch, where I work 50% with the bank and 50% with to set up my own business. That is the painless way of taking a risk to build something for two years. And I think two years is enough time to uh, know in your heart and in your bank balance if the idea is going to work out or not. So. Yes, there is uh, there is bureaucracy, but that's also has to do with a lot of other factors with regulation, perceptions. Every part of the organization functions differently. There are more bureaucratic parts and there are parts that are uh, where things happen, where things can be done differently, where things are innovation is encouraged, uh, challenging the status quo is, is encouraged. So I think that is one advantage. Also disadvantage because there are certain parts that are more bureaucratic. So it really depends on where you find, where you end up. And I think um, I really believe in that your vibe attracts your tribe. So if you are the person with energy and the zeal to do difference, uh, even in a bureaucratic organization, you will find the place where you can make a difference. That's really what I think. 
speaking of your your vibe uh, sabi we're, we're gonna have to wrap up in in just a sec you're clearly a, an inspiring speaker and i always enjoy listening to your stories and, and anecdotes if some of our listeners today would like to reach out to you what would be the best channels to do that of course linkedin is is, is i think the best medium these days i think um I'm, i generally love to connect with people on linkedin meet new people. I think I connected to Steve through LinkedIn. Not many people know I saw a beautifully written message on LinkedIn and I was like, wow, I need to know this person. Uh, so definitely LinkedIn. Great. And uh, you have a website as well, right? Where we can reach yes. out if need be? Yes. Methodim.com. Super. Well, uh, be sure to have a link, uh, a link in the description below. Super. Well, I'd like to say a big thank you, Sabi. Been a real pleasure speaking with you, and uh, thanks for all your uh, great advice uh, on on this complex topic. Thank you so much. It was really great talking to both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Sabi. Take care. Cheers. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Culture Edge podcast. As you heard just now, our guests are a highly diverse group of entrepreneurs and innovators, each with fantastic experience in both the corporate world and the startup world. So subscribe to the Culture Edge podcast today and join us again for more practical advice for your career and your impact in innovation.